Welcome to Communicast, a communication skills podcast. I'm Scott D'Amico, president of Communispond. Today I'm talking with Dr. Betty Johnson, who is a leadership and change expert and founder and president of Bridging the Difference, which uses evidence-based best practices to help individuals and teams boost productivity, accelerate performance, and build an inclusive environment. Check out the episode to hear Dr. Johnson discuss the importance of dignity at work, how to combine high accomplishment and meaningful work relationships to bring about engagement, and how leaders can avoid becoming irrelevant by valuing the opinions of others. I hope you enjoy. Dr. Johnson, thank you so much for being with us today. And if you can, maybe just to kick it off, tell us a little bit about yourself, your career journey, and really what you're working on today. Sure. And feel free to call me Betty Scott, if I can call you Scott as well. It's great to see you and wonderful to be here with your listeners. My story is I've become a leadership and change expert. And that's a big claim, right? That's a bold claim. But it's backed up by 30 years of experience in organizations that primarily were in the performance improvement space. So I not only sold performance improvement solutions for leaders, but I also designed, developed, and delivered them. I consulted with clients to create whatever they needed to address an issue that needed something really um, custom touch. And through that work, I began to see some gaps that I wanted to fulfill through my own firm. So I launched Bridging the Difference to focus on two things that my clients were saying They really needed, but they weren't always connecting them together. And that is higher accomplishment with and through other people and more positive, enjoyable, meaningful work relationships. To have both of those at the same time, well, the evidence shows, uh, the scientific evidence shows that those are really essential for well-being. But they're also really essential for the, the woes we experience today, like the, the big shuffle or the big quit or the great res- uh, resignation, whatever we're calling it these days as it continues to unfold, that accomplishment and, and relationship building is the stickiness that makes people want to stay. When they can do both, then there's engagement. So that's the work that I do. I work with leaders and teams, and I love working with teams because that's really where it gets challenging. That's where the that's where the bumps are mm-hmm. and working with people to smooth out those bumps and their, how they show up in their behaviors and the way they think about things is the work that I love doing. Yeah. And what I'm working on right now that's related to that is I have a dignity study that I, everything I do is evidence-based and I like to collect my own research using uh, a peer reviewed process to eliminate things that maybe you're not quite clear in the literature yet. So my new study is Dignity at Work and how leadership behaviors that either affirm or erode employee well-being are really violations or affirmations of dignity. And so when that happens, what does it look like? What are those specific behaviors? Don't we all want to know like what to do and what not to do? Absolutely. Yeah, because we're also connecting it to what are the outcomes. So we're asking our study participants, when that happened, what did you do as a result? So we're directly tying the leadership behaviors to the desired business outcomes. And basically, that's what I did in my video meeting research, too, back um, in the first year of the pandemic. 
What wears people out? What can other people do to make things better, make video meetings more beneficial, and places where you accomplish more together? Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that. What a just fascinating background and work that you're doing. And you know, I think this idea of, of workplace happiness and driving results through, through people, through engagement with other people, and then also having it be enjoyable. This idea that people really want to feel engaged with their work, bring their whole self to work, feel happy, look forward to it. I don't, I don't want to say it's new because I think probably people always wanted that, but we're hearing a lot more about it now. And it feels like employees are in a much better position now to be able to advocate for that, to be able to communicate those needs around that. So it's been been great to see so many organizations starting to invest more in this idea of caring and empathy and communication with their employees, not only because it, it helps the bottom line, but I think because it's just the right thing to do. And it, it honestly, for me, it feels good, right? When I'm leading an organization and you feel that sense of community there with, with the team, it just makes getting up and showing up every day that much easier and that much more enjoyable, which ultimately brings better returns on the back end. So that is fantastic. And I would have to think this idea around dignity at work and leadership and how you can, can build that and prevent from breaking that down, a big part of that is with communication. And so- yes. <laughs> yes, so, so from absolutely. your perspective, when you hear some something or you hear that somebody is a, a strong communicator or they have great communication skills, what comes to mind for you? What comes to mind immediately is how are you distinguishing communication? Communication is one of those words that has come to mean a lot of stuff that people, you know, use the word, but we don't mean the same thing. Another word like that is engagement. <laughs> so, right. And what does engagement mean? I mean, it depends on who you ask from their perspective, from their lens, from their seat, uh, whether they're a leader or a meeting attendee or someone who never gets invited to the meeting. Right. What does engagement look like? Same thing with communication. Very fat word. And typically <laughs> it depends. The definition of it depends on the people who play certain roles. So for many leaders, communication really means convey. How do I get them to do this? How do I say it in a way that will get them to stop resisting, that will help them produce the change? Do I put this in writing? Is this going to be another conversation? How do I tell? And that is different from the collaborative, you know, when you think about the word communication and that root commune, what's commune is where people come together and they build something together. They have shared accountability for it. They both use it. They both benefit from it. And that's really what I see as missing in the way we think about communication organizations today. I, mean, I, I, would, I would say that the most absent skill that I see is the ability to ask true open-ended questions and be willing to be surprised by what the other person says, to be willing to go with it. There's so much fear and anxiety of, I don't, what if they say this? How will I react? Well, you're still thinking about yourself in presentation mode, conveyance mm -hmm. mode. So that shift is, I, you know, I a lot of times I think about, you know, like uh, the Ice Age and the dinosaurs that died off and not to insult anyone, but I think if, if we don't get hip to the ability to be genuinely curious, 
about how somebody else sees something, especially when it surprises us, we will go the way of the Segasaurus. We will, as leaders, we will no longer be relevant because the workforce is no longer willing to follow that militaristic structure from the industrial age where we just all get in lockstep behind the leader, walk at the same pace, follow the directions. Aye, aye, sir. The workplace is different and for a number of reasons, um, all of them really essential to well-being. Definitely, right? I think this the shift into this information economy, information age, knowledge workers, so to speak, communication styles haven't necessarily caught up with that or adapted to that. To your point, oftentimes people think of communication of simply conveying a message. I got it out there. I put it into the universe. That means everyone received it. Everybody understood me. I'm infallible. Let's just move forward. And that's not always the case, right? If you think of even just the name of our company is uh, Communispond, Communicate and Respond. There is that two-way street that needs to happen with, with communication to make sure that they're really is understanding or this idea of the community coming together to make sure that they're all moving forward really on the same page in the same direction. And I really love what you talked about this idea of what I would call curiosity and being open, you know, as, as new things come up, really asking questions with the intent to learn something new or to take in that new perspective. Because we all, I'm sure, have had leaders or colleagues who ask a question, but they really don't care what you have to say. They're asking it because they feel like they have to ask it. And they're just going to move on on in their day, just like that never happened. You never responded. And so if you continue to do that, especially as a leader, what you're going to find is people aren't feeling valued. Their dignity levels are probably dropping and they're not going to, they're going to pull back. They're not going to be engaged. And you're soon going to be surrounded by people who just really don't want to give you any feedback or any input. And to me, that's what stifles growth and what stifles creativity and innovation at an organization. Yeah, existing research shows that one of the behaviors that affirms the dignity that people bring into work is the belief and therefore the behavior that other people's opinions really matter. And so we allow them to express them, we in, actually, we invite it and we sit with it and we appreciate it. So it's this sequence of, uh, it's not just the, the pro forma asking a question because you know, you've been told that's what good leaders do. It's really a vulnerable place and leaders have a hard time with vulnerability. They still believe many, many of the people that I see, I'm supposed to have the right answer. That's why I'm in this job. If I don't have the right answer, they're not going to have confidence in me. It's a very egocentric kind of mm -hmm. perspective. Um, and so I can't be that hero of saving the day if I don't have all the right answers. And so I'm going to listen to what people say. And, you know, I, I, I'll mull over that. I'll, I'll, I'll consider it overnight, but I'll give you my decision tomorrow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and with this complexity that we have, and no matter what business you're in, it has massive complexity unlike 10 years ago, there's no way a leader can have all the right answers. It's just impossible. Mm -hmm. It's too complex. The systems are too enmeshed. You know, I think one of the most powerful statements out there, especially if you're a leader or a salesperson is simply, I don't know. 
you know, it's okay. And it's not, like you mentioned, some people are afraid to say that. And yeah, you know, I just remember when, when my kids were younger, you know, the questions that they asked were a lot easier. Uh, and I oftentimes, you know, 99% of times probably had the, the right answer for them. But now as they've gotten older, the, the questions that they're asking, whether it's just random math questions or something about what's going on in life and society, it's like, you know, I don't know right now, but let's figure this out. Let me do some research or let's talk through it. It really helps to build, I think, trust. You know, if, if you're does. willing to say, I don't know, I think it lets the other person signal to them that you're acting in their best interest. You're willing to say that because you don't want to give them the wrong information. So by stepping back, being a little vulnerable and saying, you know, I don't know, but let me find out or let's see what we can do around this is to me, it's an underrated skill. And it's a skill that I think a lot of people are missing by just not taking that small opportunity. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you mentioned it's really a two-step thing. So just saying, I don't know is a, is, is not a place of power. It's a place mm -hmm. of passivity. And what our coworkers want, what our director reports want, and what the people above us want is for us to be able to say, I don't know, let's figure it out. Mm -hmm. I'll bring in the subject matter expert. I'll do some research. We'll have another conversation. And so that mutual, let's figure it out, is what people are so hungry to hear. They're so hungry. to. They're not hungry to hear. I don't know. I'll go get the answer and come back to you. I mean, unless it's something that's transactional, right? The better thing to say is I don't have that information or I, I don't know the, the answer to your question. I have some thoughts. Let me do some research. Let me do, do some asking around and let's get back together and, and figure it out. Yeah, that's the engagement, at least that uh, employees are looking for. They want voice. Voice is agency. It, agency is inclusion. <laughs> you know, agency is equity. We have a lot of conversations these days about more about inclusion now than diversity. It's like, it's almost as if diversity, you can check the box or not. Diversity is a numbers game. Mm -hmm. Now we're really focused on this inclusion, which comes first, inclusion or diversity. And you know, a very, like a, we're trying to figure it out and we don't know what good looks like yet. Mm -hmm. I think my dignity study is going to help with that. But then we forget about that last part, equity. What does that mean? Because without the three-legged stool, it's not going to be a comfortable place for people to sit, right? They're not you're not going to get really great leadership and really great followership and contribution without all three. So equity looks like let, let's get in this together where mm -hmm. you have skin in the game on figuring it out too, where I as a leader are empowering you to not just raise the question now, but raise more questions later, contribute your ideas later. This is back to your original question. This is communication. This is the commune of coming together, creating what we both need, sharing in the construction of it and the maintenance of it and both benefiting from it. Absolutely. Very, very well said. Thank you. So you know, we, we've hit on a couple of things already. This idea of be willing to you know, ask questions, open-ended questions that you, 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 and be open to what you're here, being willing to take it in. Uh, really focusing on let's figuring this out together. You know, if, if you think of the workplace today, what are some some core communication skills that you think are really necessary for for employees, leaders, whatever it may be, to to be successful in their roles? Number one killer. All right, so let's back it up. 
But that's my headline, the number one killer. <laughs> the number one killer of productivity, effectiveness, engagement, participation, equity, inclusion, all that. The number one killer in terms of communication is when you send a meeting invite and you don't include the target outcome. I want a big bandwagon about this target outcome thing because I feel it, in the conversations I have, I feel like it takes a while for people to wrap their heads around it. They send out a meeting invitation and a subject line is the purpose. Discuss the project, project update, team cadence meeting, whatever. And maybe they put together a, an agenda, not always. Evaluate that for yourself, listeners. How often do you actually get the agenda? But where in all of that is what we're shooting for? You know, we all just watched the Super Bowl. What if we were watching a Super Bowl game with no goalposts? Like, where's the target? How do we know when we've won? And, and not only that, where are the 10-yard line markers? We need to know how we're advancing. Are we getting close to achieving that goal? Can we celebrate the one agenda item, which is at the 10-yard line? So this laying out how we come together in a meeting, the communication of that, so not just a conveyance, the way it works best is I send you a meeting invitation, Scott, and maybe two of the people on your team. And I say the purpose is to talk about communication. Our target outcome is we want to have a shared understanding of some concepts and a few key takeaways for your listeners. Now we know what we're going for. Those few key takeaways, as a, as a meeting leader, you're focused on it. Your team is focused on it. I'm focused on it. We are moving down the field, right? Mm -hmm. And we know when we hit it, we know when we've got the takeaways and we can celebrate that. There's that accomplishment. There's that relationship building. But what it requires is you have to state what the end goal is for the meeting. Otherwise, people are just floundering around, throwing the ball at each other and not knowing which direction to head. <laughs> love it. Now, love the sports analogy is always great. And, you know, for me, having that, that outcome, the desired outcome, the goal of the meeting, whatever it may be, is so important. And it, it ties back into what you, something you said a, a minute ago was this idea of oftentimes we don't know what good looks like. And once you've kind of defined the goal or the desired outcome for the meeting, you've established what good looks like. Once you know when you've got there, when you've, when you've arrived, when you've accomplished the goal, but even sometimes just after the fact of stepping back, okay, was this a good meeting? I see this a lot in the, in the sales world where you know, a rep will have a meeting with a client. You know, hey, how was that meeting? Oh, it was a great meeting. Awesome. Oh, okay, good. What made it so great? And then crickets. Because they, they didn't really define what a good meeting looks like. Is, it, is this a discovery meeting where you're hoping to identify A, B, and C? Is this a meeting to you need to move the project to the next phase? So yes, we accomplished that. So if you know what those goals are, what those desired outcomes are, you know what good looks like. And you know, I, I've talked about this a little bit before with my daughter. She does competitive uh, cheerleading. She's had a competition over the weekend. And as she's practicing, oftentimes she'll ask me to record with my phone, some of the things, the stunts and flips and all that stuff. And when you know she's nine years old and when she looks at the video, she can quickly identify, nope, that's not good. Nope, that's not good. So she knows for this particular move, what good looks like. So they have the goal, so to speak, for this particular move. The legs need to be straight. The toes need to be pointed. Arms need to be locked out, whatever it is they have clearly identified, and this is with youngsters, 
what good looks like. They set the desired outcome for these particular movements. So they're able to benchmark against it and then ultimately get better. Because if she's just practicing flip after flip after flip with not knowing what it should look like or what she should be doing at the end of the day, not going to see that improvement. So no, that is fantastic. I love the story that you're painting and the, how we can look at our own performance on videotape and see where we can improve it. Uh, so we're, in, some, in some ways we're doing this in this mm -hmm. zoom environment today. You know, if we choose to record it, we can watch our own performance. I haven't found anyone that actually watches their own recordings, but what a concept. One distinction between what you're describing with your daughter and a meeting environment is this is your daughter's individual performance mm -hmm. and a meeting is a collective performance. So if we are to make our meetings a place for communication, we have to start on the front end before we even come together. Mm -hmm. If all I do is I decide the purpose, I decide the outcome, I decide the agenda and I convey it to you, we're not building a comment, I am in control. And maybe you'll be able to get your voice in the room and maybe you won't. And if my agenda is poorly crafted, meaning if it's not complete sentences and it's bullets and you don't know, what does Betty mean by Q2, Q4 projections? Right. Like, what is she talking about? Yeah. Then it's, we're going to break down. We're not going to be able to build this together. So what is really the, the next step that is widely missing in the workplace, but so essential is you send that draft you know, it, you're, you're the leader, so you have a pretty good idea of what the purpose and target outcome is. But really, how can you possibly know what should be on the agenda? Yeah. You can't. You cannot know. You can have an idea. You can draw a straw man. But you send that to the people that you've invited. You assign each of them one of the agenda, one of the 10 yard goals, you know, according to their area of expertise that they facilitate that. Not just be a talking head, but lead the dialogue on that. And you also say, here's what I think we need to talk about and who should lead the discussion of each of the agenda items. What am I missing? So you have to do that a couple of days before the meeting. Mm -hmm. So people have time to come back and say, Betty, we need to have Marianne in here because she knows uh, how she knows what the, uh, the employment stats are for third shift. Right. So you if you don't ask people, what am I missing? Even in the way you design your meeting, you are not communicating, you are conveying. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for me, it comes down to one, preparation. So you're not just scrambling at the last minute, sending a, an agenda out five minutes before the meeting starts. So to your point, we need to get somebody who wasn't on the invite, loop them in, make sure their calendar aligns. And I can just only imagine what does that do for the engagement for your team? Right? When you send this out a couple of days in advance, you're asking for feedback, you're getting people involved in specific parts where they are the subject matter experts. I would just think the engagement uh, for that meeting is going to be so much higher and the meeting is going to be so much more productive. Yeah. And not only engagement, but I've, I've done two studies. So these were not academic studies. They were studies with clients where I implemented a, a trademark process. I have intentional meetings that includes some of the things we're talking about. So I did a mixed methods study two times, two different large clients, international clients. I interviewed people in the U.S. I interviewed people in Mexico. I sent surveys to a lot of people. So I got quantitative, qualitative data. Here's what I found in the qualitative data. Both companies, without having talked to each other at two different points in time, on, you know, on two different years, the results were the same. Their meetings went from three to one 
So they reduced the number of meetings they needed to have from three to one. And that one meeting, instead of being an hour, was 20 minutes. And they made decisions that stuck. So people didn't go back out like, I don't know about that decision. Maybe, you know, maybe I need to go talk to her one-on-one. The decision stuck. So super efficient, very rewarding for those of us who really like to get the work done. And guess who we are? We're the leaders, right? We are all into get accomplishing the work. And our people are too, if we just let them. If we just enable them to accomplish the work, they get a high from it too. Also, and this is another data point that I love. It's the one I, I hold really dear. Both of these organizations had um, Latin American operations. And when I did the interviews, like, okay, I, one of the questions was, so this is what your company, you say your company achieved and your department achieved. What did you personally get out of changing the way you do things with your meetings? What was the number one benefit to you? So I had lots of answers to this, but here was the theme in the Latin American companies, both companies. The theme response was what I got, what my, what my leadership team got and what our organization got was increased trust. How about that? That Not something sense. you can quantify. Right. One was a, um, the senior operations director for, uh, for Mexico. And he said, the impact on employee trust has been so great that we're implementing this as standard work process for all of our plants. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes an impact. And when those trust levels go up, it enables so much at an organization, enables you to move a lot quicker, to be a lot more agile. And like I said, the engagement and the retention is going to be that much stronger. That is fantastic. And it's funner, you know? (laughs) Definitely. That's an important thing. It's more fun to come to work where you trust the people and the intentions of your leadership. And you know, when I show up, I know what this is about. I know how to get my voice in the room. I'm going to know when we scored a touchdown and I'm going to go back to work and do my job. This is one of the issues today with the ubiquitous video meetings that are being held for for every purpose under the sun, including Mm -hmm. surveillance, making sure people are actually sitting at their desk and working, so-called engagement, so-called team connections and building team esprit de corps. Uh, It's dubious whether that's actually happening in these meetings. Uh, But we're having so many of them that on average... American workers, knowledge workers, are working two and a half hours more per day than they were before the pandemic. They're no longer commuting. Awesome. But that doesn't mean they're sleeping late. (laughs) They're getting up earlier and they're working longer. Two and a half hours more. It's not like these people were only on an eight hour a day schedule anyway. You know, knowledge workers work long hours. Now they're working two and a half hours more. Why? Because they're in meetings and can't get their tasks done. So if you can reduce the number of meetings and the time of your meetings while also enabling relationship building and accomplishment for those you lead, you know, that's, that's the Super Bowl. That is it. Very well said. So Betty, as you think of throughout your career, who has, who is somebody that has impacted your communication style? What have you taken from them and adapted to, to make it your own? I have to say this, even though it wasn't in in my career that it happened, but my number one influencer was my mom who passed away last year. 
When I was six years old, my mom took me to the library weekly and my mother loved reading. She loved to read fiction. So she'd be standing over at those cellophane bound stacks, pulling books out, opening them up, putting them back. I, you know, you're a kid, you watch. I'm over at the little low end, two shelves high, you know, as tall as I am, overwhelmed by all these books, having no idea what to choose. So <laughs> my little short self walked over to my mother and said, how do you know which books to choose, mom? And she said, I look for the books that have a lot of this little mark in it. These are called quotation marks. I find that books with a lot of quotation marks are a lot more interesting. Hmm. And this is relevant to our conversation hmm. about communication. When you're interested in what other people have to say, you develop, you develop an innate empathy and an appetite for being adaptable yourself, for having your perspective shifted. And, and also thanks to my mother's love of books and how she instilled that in me, I, I have a pretty darn good vocabulary. And it comes, it comes from childhood, reading and listening to others' words. So I love that. Yeah, that's my that story is. about mom and one of the ways she really influenced my life and career. That is, oh, that is, that is great. Sorry to hear for your loss. Sounds like a, a great lady and just instilled so much into you that I think it has brought you to who you are and where you are today. Somebody that really does care about other people's thoughts and ideas and then taking that and finding ways to make people's lives better through building them up at work, driving engagement, driving dignity and culture in the workplace. So that is, oh, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I, I seek to honor her every day. Um, thank you for your condolences. My mother continues to be an inspiration. She shines a light for me to follow. Oh, that is great. So as we're, as we're wrapping up, I, I wanna be, be respectful of, of your time. You know, what's maybe one closing thought that you have for the listeners, whether they are first-time leader, maybe they're just out of school and heading into the workplace, or could be mid-career, making a, a pivot, going into a completely different direction. You know, what's your advice to them around communication skills and their importance and how they can impact their, their career journey? The power of the question is untapped or, or not, and often it's just untapped, the power of the question, of the genuinely curious question. I was in a meeting yesterday and someone said, what do you do when you're invited to a meeting and you have no idea what the outcome is? I mean, I know I should have a target outcome, but my boss doesn't do that. And my response was, and listen to people, those of you who are new in your career, if you are invited to a meeting and you don't know what it's meant to accomplish or your role in it, you just got the invite. Here's a power question you can ask that will, that will allow you to stand in all of the personal power that you have. The question that you ask the person who invited you is, first you acknowledge, you know, thanks for inviting me to the meeting. Would you share with me, what, what is your target outcome for this meeting? I'm asking because I want to prepare so that when I show up, I can support it. That's it. What is your target outcome for the meeting? I'm asking because I want to prepare so I can show up to support it. Now, put yourself in a leader's shoes. If you had 
an employee who said that to you when you sent out one of those you know, spontaneous mm -hmm. meeting invitations and you're inviting 30 people and I can see myself on the distribution, right? If you're the leader who sent that out and someone says, what's your target outcome for the meeting? I'm asking because I want to prepare to show up and support it. What's your opinion of that person? Uh, you want to add a, player. Yeah. a player, a yep. player, a player, right? I'm not going to resent that they've asked me because of the way they've done it. I'm not going to necessarily even be able to answer the question, but wow, that you've made me think about being intentional. Like, do I have a target outcome? And heads up, a lot of times people don't because they don't think this way. Mm -hmm. So they, they might say, well, I don't really have a target outcome. I just thought it'd be nice for us to get together and connect. Awesome. The pressure is mm -hmm. off. Now mm -hmm. you had to show up. You know how to show up for that. Yep. Right. Informally and be ready to be social. So I, I think you, for me, I would stress this, that the second part of that statement, Absolutely. the reason I'm asking is, yes. is, is critical because it provides key context, right? It's always important right. to, to provide the context to your questions, because if you just simply were to respond back to the leader and say, you know, what's the target outcome for this? It could be perceived as being a little snarky or, or sure. whatever, but like the, the way you, you said that was perfect. What's the target outcome for this meeting? The reason I ask is I want to make exactly. sure that I'm prepared. That provides the context for why you want to do it. It demonstrates to them that you want to add value. You want to make sure that it's productive and you're ultimately going to help them hit their goals. That is spot on. I love that. And it's a key communication skill to always explain uh, your reason for and for asking the question and your intention or what you're going to do with the information when they answer, like in any context, if you're a leader asking your, um, your, your project team member for what's the status on this task, way better to say, would you please, you know, what's the status on this task? I'm asking because Joe is on tap next to do his part in the project process and he's waiting. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to, for the three of us to be in alignment on does, is the project timeline good or we're going to need to change it, right? It's a, that's a very different way that that question lands on you said, what's your status, which sounds like yeah, I'm micromanaging you. When you explain your reason for the question and what you intend to do with the answer, now you are in communication. You're not just conveying, you're asking, but you're laying the groundwork for that build it together vibe. Yes. Context is absolutely key when, when asking everything. questions. And here's, and here's one more tip. Yep. Do not ask people what's the purpose of this meeting. Don't ever ask them. Mm -hmm. So there's a really key distinction here between purpose and target outcome saying, what's the purpose of this meeting? Let's go back to the football. What's the purpose of this game? Well, to win it dummy. <laughs> right. When you ask what's the purpose, it's almost rhetorical and it mm -hmm. makes the, the, the person you've asked think, what planet are they on? But when you say, what's the target outcome of this game? Well, I want to win by, you know, a, a 10 point spread because that's what my bets are. Or I want, you know, I want this team to win because that's where I went to college or, you know, so you give when you when you ask the target outcome, people can frame Instead of the purpose of the meeting, people can frame it up in a way that doesn't make them defensive. Yes, that, that's a that's a big big part of a lot of communication is understanding as the sender, it's not always going to be the 
received the way that you intended it to. So by providing context and being thoughtful around how you're asking questions or putting information out there, you're going to open it up to a dialogue and kind of bring true communication about. Well, I learned this the hard way, Scott. Back in my career, uh, when I was on a leadership team responsible for sales, there was someone who was my peer who said, I really want to go with you to meet with this client. And so I said to her, well, what's the value that you'll be bringing? <laughs> she never forgave me for asking her that question because she interpreted it as me. And she said, what do you mean? What's my value? I bring a lot of value to this organ. I mean, she became yeah. so angry with me because she of the perceived insult. My, I'm thinking about what's the value you're going to add in the, to the client in the conversation that I'm not already able to bring. Right. And so I could have phrased it up really differently. I could have done, I could have handled that so very differently. Mm -hmm. So I learned uh, by burning my hand on the stove. Sometimes that's uh, can be the best way to learn. Yes. Uh, Betty, thank you so much for joining me today. Really enjoyed our conversation. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. I hope you do too. A special thanks again to my guest, Dr. Betty Johnson. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did and took away some tips that you can incorporate into your best practices at work. A key takeaway for me was around the importance of valuing what others have to say. As a leader, if you aren't listening to those around you and considering their opinions, you will soon be surrounded by people who have nothing to say. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to Communicast so that you can be notified of new episodes. Thanks and have a great day.